0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Don't answer out loud, please, if you don't mind. Um, but I want to ask you, have you, have you experienced the fullness of God. It's available to every one of us, everyone who has received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I want you to understand that if you have Christ, that means the Holy Spirit dwells within you and all the fullness of God is available to you. Are you giving it permission? Are you giving Holy Spirit access to your life? Are you surrendering and yielding to the fullness of God? We worship God because he is worthy of all our worship. There is no other on earth or in heaven or all the universe that is deserving and worthy of our lives of praise and worship. And we're in a series called Worship. Sorry we didn't get more creative on that. But it's worship. And we looked in the month of June, we looked at why, why? Why we worship. We need to understand the why before we understand everything, anything else. Why we worship. It's because he is worthy. Period. Mic drop. He's worthy. All creation worships him. All the heavenly hosts and the elders seated around the throne worship day and night saying, holy, 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 for he is worthy. And in its simplest form, friends, This month, we're looking at what is worship. We're defining what worship is. Now that we know the why, now we look at, well, what is it? Next month, we're going to look at how we worship. But in its simplest form, worship is responding. Say responding. See, you just responded. (laughs) Responding to the greatness of God. That is worship. In its simplest form, it's responding to who God is. It is responding to his worth. It's responding to his nature. And it's responding to God because that's what we were designed for. So we've looked. We, we, we look at the posture of our heart last week. The Hebrew word of worship. Worship. And there's many, but the key primary word for worship in the, in the Old Testament, Hebrew, is shaka, and it means to bow. And we looked at three specific bowing words in Psalm 95. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Worship, bow, and kneel. Now, are we a church that just gets on our knees and bow physically? If that's how you express yourself and it is sincere and genuine, absolutely. I would love for all of us to do that. But before we can give an expression, a genuine, authentic expression to God in bowing physically, it's all about our hearts, our posture, lowering humbling, submitting ourselves. So we look at three. First is the posture of our heart. That's the worship. We lower it, lower ourselves, and we submit ourselves before such a holy and righteous God. We bow ourselves. We bow our hearts low in worship to drink. That's the second one, to bow, to drink of God's goodness. It's this this idea of getting close enough to the living waters that Jesus offers us to drink of his goodness. And the third one is to kneel, to give abundant blessing, like the woman with the alabaster jar. The people who would come to Jesus and they got a glimpse of who he was, and because of who he was, the posture of their heart physically dropped and they bowed before the Messiah. So we posture our hearts Humbly and submissively to the God of the universe. We bow in order to drink of salvation. We have to die of ourselves to drink of what Jesus offers. And Jesus told the woman at the well, if you drink of the waters that I give you, you will thirst no more. And those who believe, Jesus said, will have rivers of living water flowing through them. That is the posture of worship, to drink of those living waters. Worship is not about us, but it is about us drinking of who God is through his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And then we kneel to abundantly bless God. And bowing, like I said, can be literal and physical. And I think in some sense of the word, it should be said of us. Let me, let, me, let me just, let me challenge you. Let me encourage you. If you haven't, in the privacy of your, your own home, maybe somewhere where you work, you have a conference room, meeting room, you can go, I encourage you just to physically prostrate yourself. Lower yourself before God, just as a physical gesture, and seek him. Because choices that we make lead, feelings, and everything else follow. Are you making a choice to bow before the Lord? Today, we're going to look at the Greek, the New Testament definition. Now, again, like I said, there are many different um, playoffs on the word worship, but this is the key word. This Greek word is proskeneo. Can you say that with me? Proskeneo. Say it one more time. Proskeneo. God bless you. Yeah, proskeneo it is mentioned 61 times. 60 depending on what concordance you look at, but 60 to 61 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. And proskuneo, believe it or not, I don't know if you ever, ever thought about the word worship as to kiss. To kiss. Well, number one, you have to be close enough in proximity, to kiss somebody. And that doesn't even give you permission to kiss somebody. Amen? Just because you're close to them, you don't lean over and kiss them. At least I hope you wouldn't. You would probably get slapped. (laughs) So you're close to them distance-wise, in proximity, but you're also committed in a relationship that is close enough to give you permission to do so. I love kissing my kids. And as they get older, that is one thing I'm gonna grieve when they won't let me. And I love kissing my wife. There's very few other people in my life that I kiss. And it's because it's so Intimate, And I believe that as we unfold scripture and the definition of this word worship in the New Testament, I pray that the light bulb goes off in your life to understand the power of worship comes from who you worship. And the who you worship indicates who you're in intimate relationship with. That's worship. To express the highest, the highest, not just praise, but emotion, expression, the highest value and worth. This word kiss, especially in the Greek culture, in the biblical culture, and even today in many cultures, is about kissing the hand of their master. When royalty or or authority or officials of highest worth, it's an insult to them if, number one, you first don't bow. It's an offense to them, secondly, if you don't express your affection to them by kissing their feet. Or their hands. Now, we don't do that in America, most of us, anyways. And the definition of this Greek word actually means like a dog licking his master's hand. Many of us have dogs. We understand why. I, mean, I, I hope that you don't kick the dog when he licks you. <laughs> it is the dog's expression of adoration and allegiance and devotion to you. And much like that illustration, it literally is us prostrating ourselves in homage and reverence to the God who created you, to a God who holds everything together, even your messed up life and circumstances. He holds it all together. Do you believe that? And when all falls apart in your life, it's hard, it's hard to say it, but do you believe it, that he is in control? And that is why we humble ourselves before God, as 1 Peter 5 says, humble yourself. We lower ourselves because we are not God. We are not in control of our lives. And this word proskuneo is evidence in all the New Testament that worship is designed for intimacy with God the Father, Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit. The heart of worship, the heart of worship, the heart of proskuneo, is one that comes into the presence of God where is God's presence in the four wall structure where is the presence of God where is the presence of God in us in those who proclaim his son the presence of God is here so one who comes into the presence of God sincerely genuinely with reverence Fully surrendered and yielded to the master's hand. The key to surrender, however, is this, friends, and most of you have experienced it in one form or fashion. In order to get to the posture of surrender, you need to be broken. That means you need to acknowledge that you don't have it all together. You need to acknowledge that your life on its own is going in a downward spiral. And as you woke up this morning on your own in life, you are dying. You are just one more day close to dying. You're welcome. I'm glad you're encouraged today. But it's true. It's true. The key to surrender is we must acknowledge that we're broken. And in order to be broken for so many of us is we need to be dropped or hit. So that we shatter. And to us, the shattering feels like death and anguish and loss. But in God's eyes, that's exactly where he wants us broken and completely shattered without any strength within ourselves to put ourselves back together. That's when God sees his masterpiece. That's when God sees the picture that he had painted for your life. And so in order to fully surrender to God, we must acknowledge that we are broken, that there is nothing within us that could even come close to deserving God's goodness. It's a gift. So to kiss is the act of worship, of drawing close enough to the God of the universe, but also allowing our hearts to break understanding that we are literally in the palm of his hand. And then it's us just abiding, remaining, in relationship with God. That's a life of worship. And we're going to dive deeper into that. If you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. I alluded to this scripture last week. And now it's gonna be our main text for the Greek definition of proskineo, to adore, to kiss, to revere, to surrender. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. I'm first going to read in the English Standard Version, and then we're going to read it again in the Living Translation, the New Living Translation. Excuse me. ESV. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This living sacrifice is holy, set apart, and acceptable, pleasing to God. And I can hear Paul saying, which, by the way, is your spiritual worship? There it is. It's your worship. Well, what is worship? Well, it's to revere. It's to kiss. It's to adore. It's to surrender. And here he says, when you do these things, this is your spiritual worship. And we're going we're to look at that in just a minute. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed, say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern, know what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And ESV is a word to word translation. Translation. New Living is a little bit broader and it kind of just helps us in English words kind of understand the theme of the text a little bit more. Let's look at it. Romans 12, one through two, New Living Translation. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead, I beg with you to give, give, offer your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform, say transform, you into a new world person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know god's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect you mean the way we become new in christ over and over is by renewing the way you think look at our world identity All the current events. You think the enemy's ploy is not changing the way people think? Because as you think, guess what? You behave. And as you behave, you begin to believe. And as you believe and behave, so you become. This is why God's focus on the heart of worship is also the renewal of our mind. And this is why God has given us the most powerful weapon, the word of God. How often do you pick that up, dust it off, and actually start fighting with how you think through the word? Back to worship. So we're going to look at three things out of Romans chapter 12. Number one, and you don't have to go there, PowerPoint, but number one, motivation. What's our motivation? What's our motivation in life? Because as we defined weeks ago, it's not a matter of if you worship. Every single one of us and every single human ever created or will be created worships. Atheists, agnostics, millennials, Baby boomers, we all worship. It's who or what we worship that is the issue. We all worship. We all worship. And so the motivation of our worship will drive us to how we worship and who we worship. Number two we're going to look at is sacrificial worship. What does it mean to sacrifice in worship? And the third one is what we love and value the most will be what you worship. So let's look at number one the motivation. The motivation of our worship. What motivates you? What drives you? Even Paul says, and I believe it's first. Corinthians, I could be wrong, but Paul says, the love of Christ compels me, controls us. What controls you? And so it's the motivations of our worship. If worship is responding to the greatness or the highest worth of something, then what is it that motivates you? It's interesting to me because um, my voice is a little hoarse today because I was in the Bailey section of FC Cincinnati last night. And if you haven't been to an FC Cincinnati game, it is such an experience. Uh, anyone been? Raise your hands. Oh, a lot of you need to be converted to FC Cincinnati. It's so much fun. I would take it over a Bengals game any day. I would take it over a Reds game any day. Absolutely. But anyways, my, 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 and it's just my opinion. But When FC Cincinnati scores, everyone goes absolutely ballistic, and there's drums, and there's smoke, and there's everything, and it's just crazy, and it's fun. It's wonderful. But then we come into the presence of God, and I wonder, why don't I get that excited and driven when I come into the presence of God. And and that's not to give guilt or condemnation, but that is, I think that's something to reflect on. Because our motivation is what causes us to get excited. Man, we should be like little children in the presence of God. Our motivation for worship is this. See if it doesn't do something inside of you. The mercies of God, Paul says. By the mercies of God, worship. Offer your life in worship. Look at the mercies of God. God's mercies are everything. We depend fully on God's mercies. Do you know that? Whether you know it or not, whether you think it or not. We depend on God's mercies for everything that he has given us that we don't deserve. But God loved us and gave his only son. That's mercy and grace. He has given us eternal love. Amen? He's given us eternal grace, undeserved favor. Amen? He's given us the Holy Spirit. How many are grateful for the Holy Spirit? He's given us everlasting peace, experiencing his everlasting peace. He's given us eternal joy, saving faith. He's given us comfort when nothing else can comfort. He's given us strength and wisdom and hope, patience and kindness. He has justified us through the death of Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for that? He has sanctified us or conformed us into the image of Jesus through the Holy Spirit one step and day at a time. He's given us righteousness which is right standing with God. He's given us security in eternity. He's given us honor and glory and eternal life. He's given us forgiveness. I feel like we should start setting the flares off and getting the drums going and start, whoa, I mean, I mean, God is so worthy of all of that. Have you gotten a glimpse of his goodness, his reconciliation, his freedom? You are set free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God because he picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Come on. Our highest praise because of our highest motivation. He's given us knowledge and understanding of these incredible gifts of the spirit of God available through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. These mercies of God, friends, are what drives people to be martyred at their death because nothing compares. Right now, what if people came through these doors right now, literally, and cuffed us and took us to our death? Could we honestly say, he picked me up, he turned me around, he set my feet on solid ground. I don't care what you do to the body. My spirit is with Jesus. Eternity forever. It will change the worship in this place. It will change the worship in your life and in your home. I know we don't feel like it all the time. I know that circumstances say different but you are a child of the king. It changes everything. Changes everything. His mercies are one of the main reasons we worship God. And his mercies are one of the main reasons we can worship God. In the Old Testament, they couldn't get close enough to kiss God. Because there was not a sacrifice worthy of cleansing them from all their sin. They longed for the day when they could get close enough to the presence of God. And now that it's available to us, it's kind of like one of the greatest gifts that we've always asked for Christmas. And when we open it and we love it and we're so excited, two days later, it's still under the tree. It's not new anymore. It's not exciting anymore. We've got our fun. Now we want something new. His mercies are new every stinking morning. Wow. So our motivation of worship is his mercies, his goodness. And so, friends, if you find yourself right now, I just can't worship. You don't understand. I just can't give myself to even, I, I just can't do it. Just start acknowledging the mercies of God in your life. And if you can't find them, go grab a brother or sister in Christ and say, can you help me? What has God done for my life? Because this darkness is just blinding me. And watch that darkness be exposed and vanish. When you worship God in his mercies. Number two. We see, I plead to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies to God as living sacrifices. That's Romans 12, 1a. So number two is our sacrificial worship. Sacrificial worship. From the beginning of time, worship always costs something. We come into God with something to bless Him with. And as I've said in times past, I'm not trying to reiterate it and reiterate it to become where it becomes stale, but the Old Testament, so many things in the Old Testament weren't just to be, well, that was that culture thousands of years ago. We don't do that in America. The Old Testament, is the gospel of Jesus not yet fulfilled. And it sets a model, a heavenly model for us. So all we read about the sacrificial system is talking about what is to come to allow us to kiss God in his presence. It's it's all there. And so we know that they had a temple And the outer courts of the temple is where the sacrifice happened. You did not go into God's presence empty-handed. It was a curse, judgment upon you. For you are stained with sin. And so you must come and enter God's presence with an offering and a sacrifice. And once a year, the most holy high priest, still a man, still broken, still sinful, but God set up this structure to give us a heavenly design of what was to come. And there was a veil that separated the presence, the most holy presence of God from all the people. And the high priest would offer all the sacrifices and the burnt offerings as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. And God's mercy would enter the camp and God's judgment would lift. But he always said that that is a temporal substitute for the eternal and permanent sacrifice for sin. And so I want to break this down for just a moment of what it means to be living sacrifices, presenting our bodies. So first, to present is just like the example I gave, is to literally pursue and step towards God, bringing something to offer him. In Psalm 51, as David messed up his life and made a huge mistake, he comes back humbly and lowly into the presence of God, grieving his sin. And he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. Cleanse me and renew me. And then he says, the sacrifices are not burnt offerings and animals. He's prophesying to the future when Jesus comes. He's talking about proskuneo, which is the heart of reverence and adoration. And he says, the sacrifices, say sacrifice, the sacrifices that God is pleased with are a broken and contrite heart laid before God. He sets the stage, David. For the Apostle Paul to come into Romans and say, this is how you worship. Present. Friends, so often we enter the presence of God, whether individually or on a Sunday together, and we go to present worship to him like this. Or like this. Or like this. Now, I'm not condemning if you fold your hands during worship, don't hear that. posture, how can you bring anything to God with holding on to what you have? It's kind of like, God, you can take this part of my heart, but these things, yeah, those are mine. My kids, yeah, they're not yours, they're mine. And we come to worship like this, and we wonder why. Why? There isn't breakthrough in the body of Christ. It's because we don't lay it all down and sacrifice what we have and who we are in the presence of God Almighty. We need to learn what it means to sacrifice and lay down and offer worship to God. That's to present. When it says, present your bodies. Our word bodies is physical, but he's talking about everything you have and are. Everything you are and everything you have. Because again, what we cling to, what we embrace, and what we love is what we will worship. So, living sacrifices. Remember, I was talking about the sacrificial system. After the fall, there was no sacrifice before the fall. Everything was perfect. There was no death. There was no bloodshed at all. But after the fall, the life in the blood had to be poured out, a life had to be killed, which remember, if the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come, look at the beautiful picture of what God was setting in place for his son to come and be emptied of his lifeblood only to bring us life. Now, because of Jesus' substitutional, sacrificial death on the cross, we are now benefactors of what he did on the cross, friends. I hope you see this. No longer is the temple a building. No longer is God's amazing presence that spoke and there was. Not only was his, was his presence now confined by a little holy of holy rooms bound by a curtain, but when Jesus took his last breath and the blood flowed out of his body, the temple veil tore from the top to the bottom, which was impossible. And Jesus brought us into the presence of God. Now we are the holy temples of God's presence. That doesn't make you want to worship. Let's look at Hebrews, and this is a little long. Maybe go to your Bible and put your thumb in it or put the connect card in the, the flap seat there in your Bible. Hebrews, Hebrews. Shoot, I'm running out of time. Here we go. The old system under the law, this is the sacrificial system that I was talking about, is only a shadow. See, it's not just Phil saying this. This is the word of God. A dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves, but the good things to come. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again and again. Year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing. For those who came to what? Worship. Are you piecing it together? If they could have provided a perfect cleansing, the sacrifices, the death of an animal, by the way, the animal sacrifice when placed on the burning altar is already dead. The blood, the life is out. The sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers, would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. And now verse 19, skipping ahead just a little bit. And so dear brothers and sisters, now, now, say now, 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 we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus a sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world by his death jesus opened a new and life giving way through the curtain the veil the physical veil was just a model or a shadow of the heavenly veil that blocks the eyes of all of those unbelieving because of sin and when Jesus is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit and we receive all that Jesus did on the cross, it opens us to God and the fullness of God. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right in. Let us go right in. Can you imagine in the Old Testament if that veil was lifted and everyone could rush in? All of Israel would be rushing in as fast as they could. And it takes us everything just to get here five minutes late. That's not condemnation. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts Fully trusting him. This is part of the proskuneo. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's life blood. To make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. If you haven't listened to episode four of the Real Life Conversations podcast. We talk about washing, being washed by the blood of Jesus. That's why we worship is his mercies. And 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but take it home. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your bodies. This is how we worship. We present who we are. Our desires, our gifts, our talents, our strengths, our weaknesses, our good, our bad, our ugly comes before the Lord. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified in Christ. I don't live anymore. It's Christ who lives within me. So to worship God in an acceptable way is to die to everything in your life that represents the world and sin. You must die, but yet you live because Christ who lives within you. So your flesh, your self, Dies upon the altar of worship, but you don't die because you've been resurrected through the life of Christ. It says, I, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. But we must daily dig that worshipful, sacrificial grave and throw everything that represents this world and our flesh and sin into the grave. That's worship. That is worship to the Lord. And so, our motivation of worship is his mercies. And then we sacrificially offer our lives to God. This form of dying and emptying ourselves is worship so that the Christ through the Holy Spirit can bring life and everlasting life continually and overflowing in our lives. Are you still with me? Number three. We worship what we love most. We worship what we hold close. We worship what we embrace. We worship what we cling on to. We worship what we value. We value what we worship. We put our investment of our time and our energy and our gifts and our talents and our money into what we worship. It's true. And there's a word It's called agapeo. And it's the love that God loved us with that he sent his one and only son. And this form of love is also a form of love that God requires from us to worship him. What you love unconditionally, what drives you and compels you is what you love. What you love is what you worship. And this world that we live in today is no different than thousands of years ago. We still worship what we love. And so, what you worship is what you embrace. And what you give highest esteem to. And so I want... Coming to a close here on this point. But First John 2 says it so beautifully. And this is going from Romans 12 verse 2 where it says do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world but be transformed. As we worship God, proskeneo, by offering our lives as living sacrifices, that means we have to die to something to live in him. And we are going to die to the world. 1 John says this, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love this world. Do not. Love. It doesn't say do not live in this world. It doesn't say do not enjoy this world. It says do not love. Worship this world. Nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you worship the world, you do not worship God. For the world offers only a craving for the physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see. This is what Paul's talking about, of presenting living sacrifices on the altar. This is what's being burnt up. And the pride in our achievements and possessions, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is passing away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What you love is what you will worship. Who you love is who you worship. Look at this quote from John Ortberg, pastor in California. He says, I need to worship God. Because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling on my life and begin to live in a spirit of self preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and I plod through life with blinders on. Is that you? I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. I, therefore, by the mercies of God, urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy means set apart and acceptable to God for this is your spiritual worship. What are you holding on to, friends? What are you not laying down on the altar What's keeping you from loving God more than anything else? And so the brass tacks of this whole message is this. If you follow Christ, meaning you have laid down your life and picked up the cross and received the life that only Christ gives you, That means you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, the way you live your life is to look completely different than the world. And what we are seeing more and more, and it breaks the Father's heart, is the churches are looking just like the world. Something's got to change. Something's got to break. Look at Colossians 3. I know it's a fire hose of scripture, but there's nothing better. Look at this. So put to death living sacrifices. Put it on the altar, friends. Put to death the things that are lurking within you that keep you from worshiping God. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Nothing. If you need to cut that internet mouse or that device, do it. If it's keeping you from worshiping God wholeheartedly, get rid of it. Put it on the altar. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires, put it on the altar. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, meaning you're worshiping something other than God. Worshiping the things of this world, we already heard what this world is, it's passing Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things. Say used. You used to do these things. You used to until your life died in sin and you were raised to life in Christ. Now you are not to be marked with that anymore. Anymore. You're new. But now is the time to get rid of anger Rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. For you, what he's saying is, you have presented your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature in Christ. Just as you put on clothes every morning, hopefully, when you get out of bed, put on the new nature that is yours in Christ, Jesus, that will never be stolen, never rust or fade away. Put on your new nature and be renewed. Say renewed. This is the same renewed that is in Romans twelve two. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Put on the new nature and be renewed, continually made new. You are saved once and for all before the foundations of the world. When you acknowledge your sin and you confess Jesus as Lord and you ask him to be Lord of your life and you receive the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, filling you and overflowing and guiding your life once and for all. It's a once and for all deal. But becoming more and more like Christ is one step at a time. It's surrendering, it's dying, it's yielding, it's emptying yourself. That is worship. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator, and become more like him. There's no greater form of worship. And I'm going to end with this, and it's on the screen. Your life is supposed to be a life of worship, individually as you worship. And then when we come together, there's another passage in the New Testament that says, we together are the temple of God where God's glory rests. Because of Jesus, we are now temple's of the Most High God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We worship him by laying our lives down, dying to this world moment by moment and receiving the real transformation that only God brings. Our lives are now lived for his glory. As the band comes up, could you stand? I want us to read this together. Praise God. Something is going to break When we begin to take worship so seriously that we come as living sacrifices to bring something to God. Let's read this together. Ready? Because of Jesus. Stop. Can we say it like we absolutely are coming to offer something to God? Join me together. Here we go. Because of Jesus, we are now temples of the most high God indwelt by the Holy Spirit We worship him by laying our lives down, dying to this world moment by moment, and receiving the real life transformation only God brings. Our lives now lived for his glory alone. Can we do it one more time? One more time. Hold out your hands. Because of Jesus, We are now temples of the Most High God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We worship by Him by laying our lives down. We die to this world moment by moment and receiving the real-life transformation only God brings. Our lives are now lived for His glory alone. Last sentence. Our lives are lived for His glory alone. One more time. Our lives...